Hi, you entrepreneurs. Today we have Mike Rennick. He is uh, the owner of the Rennick team. So he started, and you're going to hear this in the podcast, but he, he started at the age of 52. He was with General Motors. He retired from General Motors at the age of 52. And so when most who retire, they want to just put their feet up. For him, he was like, I'm going to get into real estate. He started his team. He's built his team. He brought on a partner to help him grow his team. And now there's a synergy there with one person takes the reins on one aspect of it. The other one takes the reins on the other aspect of it. And from the sounds of it, it sounds like it's a, it's a match made in heaven. So please listen, please subscribe. And of course, tell your friends. Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. All right, so we are here with uh, Mike Rennick. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing fine. How are you tonight, Vinny? Fantastic. So you run a real estate team uh, on the East Coast. Can you walk us through your, your real estate team, what you do for a living? Actually, yes. Um, we're located in Sarasota, um, Florida. We're on the West Coast. We're about an hour south of Tampa. Our team really consists of two licensed brokers. So we both are capable of owning our own company and elect not to. And the supporting folks, we have uh, two millennials, two young men. One's our social media director and the other is our full-time videographer. And that makes up Team Rennick. Wow. Okay. And you have kind of interesting background that you were with General Motors for about 30 years, correct? Yeah, 31 years. I retired uh, when I was only 52 years old. Isn't that the similar time that, uh, was it Ray Kroc, right, started with McDonald's? Isn't no, that when yeah, McDonald's is a little bit older than that. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, but I think he was like 50, 52 or in his 50s, maybe he was in his 60s, when he started actually franchising McDonald's and... So he, he reinvented himself at a, a later stage in life. Yeah. How was that? Yeah, I, I read a magazine one time. I was actually flying um, for a trip for General Motors. And it said, if you retire young and you wanted a new career, do something with your passion. And my passion was owning my own business. That is a you know a licensed real estate broker. Eric and I own the, the LLC. And so it allows us to do things our way and to prove our point. And, and we have very specific things Everyone talks about serving the customer. We study hard each and every day how to do that the best way. We take that very serious. That's the difference. So, so walk me through. Walk me through the transition. Walk me through what got you into real estate. I know owning, owning your own business, but what got you into that that kind of structure, that kind of platform? Real estate was probably one of the easiest ways to to own your own business, and we were actually independent brokers for about seven years, eight years down here in Florida. Before we aligned with Better Homes and Gardens. So it, it allows us to form a company. And we actually grew. We had agents at that time. But it, you know, we found ourselves doing a lot of administrative stuff. And what we want to do is actually be working with the customer. So that's why we downsized. We joined a great brokerage in Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. It allows us to focus on what we do best. Eric is out there. Um, he's a 39-year-old young man. He's a brilliant real estate uh, broker. He's our first line of interface with the clients when they're here on the ground. We're pretty much a second home market. If Eric is double booked, I go out. But other than that, I work the lead gen and the lead follow-up. And that's what we became really strong in is our lead follow-up process. Wow. Okay. So was that structure put in place right off the back or was it something that 
that kind of came together over time? It came together. I really thought that I probably would be the one out with the client. Um, Eric being younger and, and learning that uh, he would be back and be the systems guy and uh, clearly found out he excelled. He's amazing. Uh, Eric is from Malaysia. He's 39 years old. <clears throat> he has the ability to connect with young or old, male or female, doesn't matter what, what part of the country. But the, the clients just love his approach, his photographic memory, his down-to-earth, and that's a huge part of, of why we've grown is because of the hard work Eric's done out there. Wow, that's fantastic. So so walk me through, you know, what's uh, what's the early years look like before maybe General Motors? Kind of where'd you come from? So I grew up in the Michigan area, um, not too far from the infamous Flint, Michigan, where they've you know, been noted recently for the water problems. But I was up there about a couple hundred years ago, so it was way before that that actually hit. So I grew up in Michigan. I saw winter for over 50 years. One of the happiest days in my life is when I sold my snowblower because I was moving to Florida. I miss that state. I love that state, but I do not miss cold weather. Not at all. So, I mean, you, talk, you brought up the, uh, Flint, Michigan and everything that's going on there. I know this is a little off topic. Do you have any feedback on what's going on out there right now? Or is there anything that you can remember from the many years you're out there? I think the state's going through a lot of changes right now. In retiring from General Motors, my retirement date is actually dated 11 days before they filed their bank, the infamous bankruptcy that occurred you know, 11, 12 years ago. So General Motors has gone through a huge transition. They've eliminated many of their marketing, their platforms, their car divisions, things like that. They've streamlined. They've become more efficient. Detroit has done a lot of things. I, so I've lived down here since 2010. And they say you can take maybe the boy out of Michigan, but maybe not Michigan out of the boy. I still read the two major Detroit newspapers online every morning before I turn to the Sarasota news and don't tell anybody I told you that. (laughs) (laughs) So 30 years um, with General Motors, was that always the plan uh, growing up that you're going to uh, join General Motors or what happened there? It was. When you grow up in Flint, you know, my, my family was a GM um, family. My father worked at General Motors. He was proud of that. You were pretty much expected to go to school. And the interviews I had when I graduated from college, I had many, but most of them were with different divisions of General Motors. And I ended up going to work back in 1978 for the Cadillac Motor Car Division. So I was part of their prestige division. I was really proud of that. But that was kind of expected for a young man in, in that part of Michigan. That's what we knew. I mean, Flint was, was part of the automotive capital of the world area. So how many people, like, for example, that you maybe went to school with actually ended up joining General Motors? Was it a fairly big percentage then? Yeah, it was huge. GM had their own private university called GMI, General Motors Institute. And I was a rebel, I guess, way back then. So I wasn't going to go there. So I went to Michigan Tech instead, but ended up going to work for General Motors. So I got a good education, just like the GMI grads did. But it was kind of... it. it I didn't feel that it was expected of me. It was what I wanted to do. They offered a, a very good package. They offered a very good starting salary. And I knew I had an opportunity for a good career. And that's exactly what they delivered in the 31 years I was there. So as you're transitioning, kind of growing in the business, was there ever a time where you thought, maybe this is not the, the best company for me or anything like that that ever happened throughout the process? At General Motors back in those yeah. days? Yeah. Um, I tell folks, the story tongue in cheek that GM tried for 31 years to find a job I couldn't mess up. And 
I'm not sure if they succeeded because I started in manufacturing, spent time in planning, engineering, um, finance staff. And the biggest part of my career was in the information technology, the IT staff. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of challenges. I traveled internationally at one point. My very first trip ever going to Europe for General Motors, I was in the cockpit of a 747 passenger plane. And so having those experiences when I was a young 25-year-old, it's just there was a lot of good things happened. It gave me a great background, but it, it also gave me the passion because in a corporate structure, you're always asking permission. It gave me the passion to one day to work in my own company where I didn't ask permission and I lived or died by the processes that I put in place. And that's what real estate allows me to do. Hmm. So you kind of learn the job. So they, it sounds like they have fairly good training then. Um, yes, they, they do. I finally went back. Um, like I said, I started there about 200 years ago, but it was actually 1978. I went back maybe in my early 40s. I got a master's degree up in Michigan, and that's where I got my IT background. So, uh, you know, on-the-job experience with different assignments in different parts of the company, you really got an opportunity to learn. If you applied yourself and you use that four-letter word called work, you apply yourself, the, the rewards were unlimited back in those days. Now, my assumption is that the 30 years, there's a, a cap or something like that for retirement for General Motors. Is that the case? or No. If I would still be there today, I would be earning more credits towards the retirement. So I, I went out with a full package. I was proud of it. I'm one of these that, that have a medical package, a good pension, things like that. I worked hard you know, on the IT staff. I led a large group globally that was incident management. What that meant when things went belly up on the IT staff or in our environments, it was my team's job to put it back together. So we worked around the clock. We worked all kinds of crazy hours. And I think that gave me the passion for what we do for our clients now, because one of the biggest things I'm proud of, we don't just say it, but we, we advertise, we take phone calls from seven in the morning till 10 at night, seven days a week. And if I'm up at 11 p.m. and the phone rings, I'll take that phone call. And that's just the, the mentality I learned um, from my work at GM. So what can you walk me through or walk us through the transition? So General Motors, you're, you're maybe 28, 27. When do you start thinking about real estate? Not until actually it was really close to retirement. In, in those days of General Motors, it was the dark days. Things weren't going well. The company was hemorrhaging money. And it was just time for me to say I didn't want to be a part of that anymore. I had done my 31 years. Retiring at 52, that was extremely young. So it afforded me the opportunity to do what I wanted to do, which was a transition into real estate. And what it, what it allows me to do is the management principles that I believe firmly and believe strongly in is either find out firsthand they work or they don't work. At, at GM, when we made policy decisions, we were protected by the large corporation. And there was soft landings if we made bad decisions in the good old days. When you're running a small real estate company, that's not true. So with that transition, so you're, what's the first step you do? So you're, you start thinking about the idea of real estate. What's the first thing? So first I'm always brutally honest, so I'll tell you the truth. The first thing I did is I got my license in Michigan, and I owned a place in Florida at the time. Um, I got my license in Michigan. It was December, and I'm thinking, why? It just doesn't make any sense. So I came down to Florida, and I got my license down here and started the, the practice. I got my license January of 2011 and have never looked back. So how was the transition uh, from real estate, like solo agent to actually building a team? How was that transition? 
we went into a large company at the time. It was called Prudential Palms. And um, they ultimately, it was during the, the recession. We knew the years were tough, but we wanted to build up slowly. Prudential Palms went bankrupt. So we had an opportunity where an attorney had a broker's license, created an environment where Eric and I could run our own company. And so we launched Team Renick, and we've really never looked back. We've kept that name either, even under Better Homes and Gardens. So it was, we, we started to grow. We added agents. But it ultimately became clear to Eric and I that that's not what we wanted to do. It took you, as you grow agents, it takes you far away from the customer. And the customer is what we feel really strong about. Eric and I share the same passion in terms of uh, if we meet the customer's expectation, we feel that's failure. Our job is to exceed their expectations. And we work hard to get better every year to do that. So we we ended up getting rid of the agents. We, we closed down our own independent operation. We ultimately ended up at Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. Best decision we ever made. Just a fantastic organization. They give us the independence to do what we want, but we've got the large company behind us to provide tools and ideas and mastermind opportunities and things where we continue to, to learn. I share with folks, if, if you look at a, a continuum and say there's about 10 miles of real estate knowledge to gain after nine years, and, and, and our metrics are really strong, we, we've succeeded. After nine years, I feel I'm in the first block of the first mile. There is so much to learn. And it's changing. What what we did two years ago to succeed doesn't work today. And what we're doing today, we know won't work in two years. And we're making changes right now in our environment so that we'll be ready in two years to continue to be leading edge. What kind of changes? It, it has to do with systems. So I'm accused all the time, especially being a retired IT guy, of being too enamored with software. Because real estate isn't about systems. It's about relationships. Here's my secret sauce. The software that we use, because I have over 30,000 people in our database that we're managing, and they've all signed up. They've given us their contact information. We've purchased no lists whatsoever. So the software allows me to know who's ready for the relationship now, because there's many clients in that database that when we do a deal this year, they entered my database four years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's nurturing the relationship on their terms, not pestering with phone calls they don't want, and understanding which client's ready to raise a hand and wants the relationship now. And that's been the success is using the tools to let us know who those folks are. Hmm. So, I mean, it sounds like you've had a really strong game plan from kind of start to finish when you're in General Motors, the transitioning here, you know, maybe some small miscues, but it seems like it was straight, pretty strong game plan. What are some of like the, the biggest hurdles you've kind of had to overcome? So the biggest thing is two folks came down from Michigan to start a real estate company. We knew nobody. So there wasn't a network down here. There wasn't a group of friends down here. So the, the following that we built, the clientele that we have, the friends that we have, we worked hard to put that together. We, we went to work for a real estate company that, that within just a few weeks um, bellied up, and that was because of the tough times. So we picked ourselves up. We used leverage that opportunity. We went out on our own, um, and we continued to learn. The biggest thing is I got into coaching probably nine years ago. And it's understanding that we don't have all the answers. In the coaching program, it's the Tom Ferry coaching program. Um, the whole organization that he runs is just amazing. And what they've given to us in terms of knowledge and, and challenging us to go to the next step, holding us accountable, helping us with the new systems, things like that. It's, it's one of the major reasons for our success. Hmm. <clears throat> now, has there ever been a time that you've kind of 
thought maybe I want to leave the business or maybe this is not right for you? Oh, yeah. One night, I, I'll, I'll tell this story. I wrote a letter of resignation. It was wow. just a bad day. Everything was frustrated. So I was the CEO at the time. So I wrote the letter and uh, I went into the refrigerator and got a soft drink and came back. And uh, I looked at the letter and I signed it. And I handed it to Eric and says, okay, you're on your own. And that just released all the pressure <laughs> at that time. I felt good. It, it just, you know, you have a day where everything goes wrong. Clients yell at you. Probably I deserved every bit of it, but anything I touched went wrong. Um, but those days are, are far and few in between. We've had, we continue to move forward. We set goals. Um, we do things out of the box. Can I share one crazy story that we did? Yeah. So they teach right now. It's all about video. And video is expensive. The videographers charge a lot of money. So I decided I'd do things a little different. So one night I left here to go to Best Buy to hire a videographer. That was my job. So I met a young man who was working in the, the photography department, cameras, um, camcorders, things like that. And I had prepared. So I knew the answers to the questions I was asking. And he knew some of it, but not all of it. So he says, we've got someone that's stronger than me. So they brought <clears throat> excuse me, a young man out. His name was Alex. And we started talking, and you could see the passion in him. You could see it in his face. He knew the answers. He even shared that uh, he had a drone, his own drone. I heard him right off the spot that night. And he, wow. still, he still works for me full time. He, he follows us around. He takes all kinds of video. His work now, he's... He was 23 at the time. He's 24 now. His work is being featured on the national stage by Tom Ferry. Wow. That's impressive right there. So so you kind of looked over the numbers and looked over the data showing that you needed a videographer full-time. Did you bring him on full-time? Was he part-time? I brought him on full-time. I, I We've changed his life in terms of the money he's making, um, his commitment to us, our commitment to, to him. You know, being a young man, he didn't have a lot of cash. So we bought him the best laptop. We bought him the best drone. We bought him all the new stuff, and he's repaying that many times over. So how did you know or what, where did you come to the conclusion that it was better to actually hire someone on full-time than bringing them on per job? What, what I like is the fact we established a relationship, and I, we do that with a lot of folks. So here's a young man that we could help. He showed me the passion that night. If he didn't have the passion, I wouldn't have hired him. And it, it, when you do things like that, is it crazy? Absolutely. Is it outside of the box? Absolutely. But that's why we succeeded in real estate. We do things differently. We do things the right way. And it, it pays off. When you, when you do good things for folks, good things happen to you. I firmly believe that. Now, let's say you're talking to someone, a younger person trying to get into the, the real estate field. What kind of advice would you give the individual? I'll share with you what I share when I teach a class to new agents. And, and I, right up front, I tell them I'm going to use profanity. I'm going to use four-letter words. And I'm not going to apologize for it. And here's the word you need to understand. It's called W-O-R-K. If you don't want to work, it's not going to happen. I tell a story that we put Eric on the side of Gulf of Mexico Drive with a sign that says, we'll write dual deals for food, and he starved to death. So you've got to work. I, my morning starts at I'm 63 years old, starts at five o'clock every morning, and it rarely ends before 11, 12 o'clock at night. And it's focused on what the client wants, what we need to do to exceed the expectations. Those are not just words. That's how we live our life. So five to 11, Monday through Friday, Monday through Sunday, what's? Monday through Sunday. I, you know, I, I'll take time off to go to a movie. Um, 
vacations. So I had a life coach for a while. That didn't work out because um, she said I had to take vacations. And when I travel, I travel for real estate conferences. I get to speak on stages and I get to learn. I get to share. She said they didn't count. So <laughs> we parted ways because that is a vacation. I, You know, last year, um, recently, I was in Aspen at two conferences with a senior leadership of Better Homes and Gardens speaking on stage. I was out in Anaheim. I was in Vegas. I was in Boston. I was in New York. I get an opportunity to, to meet with some of the best agents in the world and share with them and they share with me. That's part of our secret for growth. Wow. So so what's next? What's next for, for you, next for basically the company? Well, right now we're implementing an entire new system with AI. Everyone's heard of artificial intelligence. In the morning, I, I'll tell just a little bit of a side of the morning. I, I say, Alexa, please unlock my door. Alexa, please shut off the lights. Alexa, please start my truck. And she does all that stuff for me. Oh, sorry, Alexa, stop. Alexa's <laughs> engaging. Hang on. Stop. I'm sorry. I forgot about that. <laughs> so I love technology. So the next big field is AI. And I don't want AI. I don't want a bot talking to my clients. But I have an AI going through the database, watching for who's active. They're better to tell me who's ready for that relationship. And, and we're, we're doing some leading edge stuff with what we're implementing. We're, we're partnering with some very leading edge people. One, one of the best things about the franchise I work at for Better Homes and Gardens, local franchise, is the franchise owner gets this. Ellen actually travels to some of the national conferences. We've run into each other across the nation. He speaks at, at conferences like I do. He's the only one in this area that understands what this is all about. We, we're in a different brokerage for a short period of time, about a year and a half. We were introduced as the non-traditional agents. Well, I propose we're very traditional and where we're at now, I understand that. In fact, you know, you can hold an open house and I get that. And there's a lot of work, but you can virtually hold an open house on Facebook, setting, setting at home, drinking a, a Diet Coke with your feet up on the table if you want. There's lots of different ways to reach your clients. Well, and I think one thing that you, you've talked about multiple times is relationships. So you have that old way of looking it incorporating a lot of technology, which, and that's that's the way of the future. It it is to to find out what's going on. But like for example, we're closing Wednesday. We sold a condo down here locally. The owner is in her nineties. So her and her daughter called me today. They're all excited. They got the closing documents, and they and she Joan shared with me that Mike, I'm getting more money than than I thought. And I said, Well, Joan, how much is that? She says, I'm not going to tell you. You'll take it away. Joan, they don't let me touch that kind of stuff. I can't. But she was just glowing in terms of we've got this thing sold. We got a price higher than she wanted. See, that's what it was all about. But Joan, I, I probably met her five years ago. And she's, you know, the videos we create, we send out the newsletters and she's been watching them. She saw the latest video we did on the new lights on the Ringling Bridge here. It, it keeps those folks thinking about us. So when it was time to sell, she called me. We listed it. We got a price higher than she wanted. And it just, that phone call today was just everything in terms of listening to her and her daughter just be as happy as they were. Can, I would love to hear um, some advice you might have for someone looking to, to sell or someone looking to buy. What's the best piece of uh, tidbit right now, maybe to one of our listeners that, that's thinking about something in the future, about getting ready? First thing you need to do, whether you're a buyer or a seller, is you need to make sure your agent understands the market. We study the market. We publish podcasts. 
um, actually full videos on the market, at least monthly in many of the sub areas on a weekly basis. So we know the market because if you're selling in a seller's market, your plan is different than if you're selling in a buyer's market and vice versa. So number one, does your agent really know the market? And here's the secret weapon we have. When a client asks a tough question, I may have to go to the statistics to look it up. Eric can spout the right answer off the top of his head because of his photographic memory. So it's just so, but it, and then once you understand the market, it's having a plan. Our plan for sellers isn't one size fits all. We tailor based on the latest market statistics. And part of our island, I live on Longboat Key. Some of this is a seller's market right now, and some of it's a buyer's market. It just depends on what price point and whether it's a home or a condo that you're you're looking for. So it's understanding the market, it's having a strong plan, and then it's communication with your buyer and seller throughout the entire process, explaining the next step. So like if we bring a, um, an offer to a seller, before we do that, we've already explained to them what the inspection process is going to be like. And that way there's no surprises when someone comes in and starts checking this and checking that and all that kind of stuff. They, they expect that up front, and they expect the fact that there won't be a clean report. I've never seen a clean report yet. An inspector is paid to find things. And they do, and they're very good at what they do. But my sellers expect that so they don't react the wrong way. Same thing with buyers. I explained to a buyer that you're going to find things on the list. We're not buying a brand new home. We're buying a used home. So we can't go through and ask for 20 things that, that might be broken. Let's go for the big things, and let's ask the seller to help us. And my buyer and I have that conversation before they even hire the inspector. They're ready for the process. I mean, one thing I always say for, for my buyers is, just like no person is perfect, no property is perfect, but is it perfect for you? Correct. And see, that that's really key. And then let me take that further with us. So I've seen real estate agents, when they've made a mistake, they, they dance. And I've seen some really good dances. So here's what we do. And even if it was the other side's fault, so let's say I'm representing the buyer, something went wrong with the seller. First thing I do is I take ownership. Second thing I do is I apologize to, to my client, whichever side I'm on. Third thing I do is I make it right. And the fourth thing I do is make sure it doesn't happen again to that client. Well, I mean, I know out here, the industry is small. I mean, we might have a lot of realtors out there, but the industry is small. So it's it's doing right by people. And I think some people are very short-sighted in that idea. And that's why you've grown so big. It's You have a, a bigger vision and every every deal, every escrow, it sounds like it's important to you. Make it right. When, so. when I'm a client, let's say in a store or in a transaction, I, I like to say I'm hell on wheels. I'm hoping I can can use that phrase. I'm, I'm tough because I'm the customer. Well, when my customer is working for me, they get the same level of service that I expect when I'm the customer. They deserve it. That's great. Well, so again, if anyone's listening, what's the best way of getting in contact with you or or Eric? I don't know. Eric might seem the better contact right there with his photograph memory. but So I, I'll do what we do with everyone. We, we don't give out a company phone number. Let me give you both our personal cells. We welcome the phone calls. Mine is 941-400-8735. I have to think for a minute because it's just hit a button on a phone. Eric, let me see if I can do this. It's 941-735-2199. And it's Mike at TeamRennick.com or Eric with a C, E-R-I-C at TeamRennick.com. And we're happy to engage, have conversations, and, and, and start a learning process. Perfect. Well, thank you, Mike, for all your time. Hopefully all you listeners out there, if you're in the real estate field or if you're looking to buy yourself, you got some great information. I mean, people are looking to retire and looking to transition to the next world. I mean, it looks like the retirement and the transition really worked out really well for you, Mike. So thank you again for being on the podcast. 
You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed this. All right. Have a great one. And everyone out there, listen, subscribe, and, and reach out to Mike and his team if, if he can help you out. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.